and I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. And on today's edition of the show... We're going to be joined by Kevin Flaherty at 440 to talk a little KU basketball, KU football. We'll get you updated on who is coming back, who is staying in the NBA draft for your kind of around college basketball view of things. I would like to announce that I am staying. Oh, in the thank NFL goodness. Draft. I was worried about that. In the NFL draft? Or NBA, okay. NBA draft. <laughs> I'm staying in the NBA draft. Okay. I am. My phone is open for calls mm-hmm. from any prospective teams. I would make a great addition. Staying in the draft. Um, I, I, why is Woj getting, I guess it is NBA related news. He, he tweeted something out about the two Florida Atlantic guards coming back and he was like, they're going to be a top five team. Hey buddy, <laughs> you stick in the NBA. You do not have opinion yeah, bro. on stick to who NBA. the top five teams are. Stick to NBA. Anyway, uh, we have some news on Ernest Duday. We'll get to, um, KU mailbag. If you have any last second questions, that'll be in our next segment here on RCST. Right off the top though, I wanted to talk a little bit about, the returning experience, kind of take a deep dive into the mass amount of experience the KU has. We played the quote for you yesterday from Bill Self on the Field of 68 podcast talking about that they have seven veterans. And so it's one thing to look at the roster and be like, oh, they only have three returners and eight newcomers. It's another thing when you frame that and kind of put the spin zone on and say, but they have seven veterans and four newcomers. And yes, when you look very at nice, it, very nice spin zone. Yeah, exactly. When, when you look at it from that perspective, you see this team has so much experience, which experience tends to win in college basketball. And to a certain degree, uh, I still will have some of the questions about what is more important. Is it experience at all? Or is it experience in the Bill Self system with his best teams? But now that you have three or five starters back, you mitigate that a bit. And because you have so much experience around them, I mean, this is something Isaac Trotter pointed out, that if their starting lineup is Dewan Harris, Nick Timberlake, Kevin McCuller, KJ Adams, and Hunter Dickinson, that's 77, 90, 82, 37, and 89 career starts, respectively. Uh, that's that's over 300 career starts between those five players. That That is a lot of starts. <laughs> that is a lot of starts. Yeah, and... And you do kind of run into this interesting conundrum where, on one hand, you're like, well, KU cleaned house on their roster. They got rid of a bunch of guys. They went hard on the transfer portal. They've got a quote-unquote brand-new team, basically. But on the other side, like you just referenced, the guys that they brought in are very experienced players and have a lot of experience at the college level. So this is not like a Coach Cal Kentucky situation where you've got five freshmen out the door and five new freshmen in, right? Like you've you've brought in some guys that have a lot of experience. Hunter Dickinson has been an all Big Ten level player for multiple years. Now coming to, to KU, right? So it, it is kind of an interesting idea of you're right. Does does just any experience matter, or does it matter if you have experience playing together, right? I still think there's going to be a question of team cohesion and and you know making everything gel, right? Because that. Regardless, I mean, if you played a thousand games and then you join a new team with guys you never played before, you're still going to, no matter how many games everybody's played, 
separately, you still have to come together and, and play together as a team, right? So I still right. think that's going to be something to keep an eye on. But, but yeah, the idea that, you know, listen, KU has a really, really difficult non-conference schedule to start the year. What if they hit a few bumps early, right? And this experience, these players are able to draw on that, and maybe that doesn't shake them up as much as it might have shake up a younger team or a team of with guys with, with less games already under their belt, right? That could be something to keep an eye on. Because, listen, KU has a very tough non-conference schedule. They got mm-hmm. the Maui. They've got UConn, which is absolutely got, loaded this yeah, year. Yes. Yeah, they've got Indiana. Uh, it's a, it's a very very tough non conference schedule. So so yeah, I mean, what if they lose a couple games early? Is that you know a, a younger team or a team that might be might be more susceptible to losing some games early? That could maybe start to define their whole season. I don't suspect that would happen with KU because of that experience you talked about, right? Even though it's not necessarily all together, that still matters. So it but but. You're right. There is kind of this back and forth of, well, does any experience matter, or does only it matter in terms of if mm-hmm. you played together under Bill Self? Yeah, and and I think there there might be some similarities to maybe some teams that have been like one and done teams in terms of bringing it together. But again, it's not the same because you do have the college experience to where yeah. you're exactly right in the idea that yeah, they still do have to learn to play together and you know have that understanding of where they're going to be on the court and what they like to do. But does it does that process speed up because of the experience? Because they've been around the block a few times, does the process go a little bit faster than if they were all freshmen? I think it definitely could. I think it definitely could. Now, obviously, you you know you still have to learn what Bill Self wants you to do, right? So, and I think I've seen some people discuss this idea of if you're a college guy and you train and you've been in, in college for a couple of years and then you transfer, whatever coach you were were with previously, you may have developed some habits that in some ways could maybe be more difficult to revert back to whatever your new program wants you to do or, or would like for you to do, right? So I I don't know if that's maybe more of an overblown type thing, but there is that possibility, right? You know, like what if Hunter Dickinson is used to doing things a certain way and, and Bill Self says, you know, hey, we're going to do things this way and there is a bit of a uh, an adjustment period of trying to relearn all that stuff, right? So that it's it's... To me, I look at the experience more of I think it's going to help KU the most early in the season. I think it's going to help the most with what if they do get off to a slow start out the gate? What if it doesn't all come together right away? I think the combination of Bill Self plus those guys having some experience in college basketball, that's where it will help them the most is what I suspect if that does happen. I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, now, one thing I wanted to do is, is kind of take a look at some of the other experienced KU teams and how this team would rack up to those. So uh, I went through and I looked at games played in career, games started in career, and minutes played in career headed into that season. So I didn't do it based on what you ended up with at KU, but headed into that season, how much, how many returning minutes and games played and games started at KU have going into that year? Um, I looked at this in two ways. I looked at this both in terms of just minutes, games, and starts at KU, and then I looked at in totality. And so the, the seasons that I compared what they're going to head into this year with are last season, just because, I mean, well, one, they were most, one seed, but it gives you a good, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the most near term and, and transfer portal. Uh, 2022, which is a team that obviously won the title. So good reason to compare to that. 2018, which is one of the three or four most experienced. Ken Palm has a little rating that goes back to, I, I think they started doing it in like 2007 or something, 2006, um, that has experience rating. And like, you know, continuity and stuff like that. Um, so three of the most experienced teams that Bill Self has had by that 
metric are 2018, 2016, and 2008. And in cases of all of those, all of those were one seeds. All of them made the Elite Eight or further. 2018 made a Final Four. 2008 won the national title. So it gives you some comparisons of the most experienced teams that KU has had. And in the case of, you know, four of those five, with 2022, 2018, 2016, 2008, all deep NCAA tournament runs. And in the case of all five of those seasons, you're talking about a one seed. So, um, I, I guess there there is that big correlation between the experienced teams get the one seeds at KU, even though Bill Self tends to get a lot of one seeds. So you look at it uh, this way, of just if you want to talk about um, returning KU minutes, meaning that Hunter Dickinson would not apply to this, Nick Timberlake would not apply to this, right? Just guys who have Kevin McCuller, only his last season's minutes at KU apply to this. This would be a way of looking at it from the standpoint of the Bill Self experience, the Bill Self continuity. So I'm not counting the Kevin McCuller Texas Tech games played and games started. I'm just counting Kevin McCuller from last season. So from that standpoint, you only have three, Dewan, Kevin, and KJ. And if you compare it to the past couple seasons, you end up short of a lot of them, but actually comparable to where you were last year. Uh, so between Dewan, Kevin, and KJ, you're talking about 213 games played, although I'm I'm trying to think that might actually include Kevin because I I don't know how, um I I guess it would no okay so Dewan Harris yeah okay no that's right uh Dewan Harris Kevin McCuller and KJ Adams just in their time at Kansas 213 games played, um last year they were 247, 2018 they were at 291 because you had Malik Newman coming in and and some other players, but those other years you were above 400 and in the case of 2016 you were above 500 so you're you're lacking compared to those. 147 career KU starts coming in this year. That's actually almost over 50 more than they had last year. Last year, they had 95 returning starts coming into the year. Uh, You compare it to past years, 2018, they had 115, so you're better than that. But then in the case of 2022 and 2016, you're over 200. In the case of 2008, they had 309 (laughs) returning starts. That's incredible. And then the returning KU minutes, you have over 5,000 between those three players. That's over 800 more than you were last year, but it's also a lot less than the other years. 2022, you had over 8,000 returning minutes. Uh, 2018 was about 6,000. 2016, about 10,000. 2008, about 12,500. So clearly, if you're looking at this from a standpoint of Bill Self continuity of returning players in the KU system, it, it actually holds its water okay to last year, which ended up being a one seed. But compared to the other better experienced teams, it doesn't hold water. Where it does hold water is once you expand and add the experience of the other guys. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense compared to last year because think about last year's team. Dewan Harris and Jalen Wilson were the only two guys that really had significant starts under their belts for KU. Grady Dick, obviously a freshman. Kevin McCuller, obviously had been playing not at KU. And then KJ Adams had a few spot starts here and there. It wasn't even like he, you know... It wasn't even like he was a consistent starter up until last season. So, to me, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it makes sense that these three guys now have a little bit more than that because now you've added in an extra season for all three of those guys. And in an extra season where KJ played you know, or started every game, whereas people forget, I mean, coming into last season, it's not like he was a, a significant starter in his in his previous years. Yeah. So if we add now, if we add Nick Timberlake, if we add Artario Morris his his one year at Texas, Hunter Dickinson his three years at Michigan, Parker Brown his two years at Missouri, his two years at Santa Clara, and then we add the three years of Kevin McCuller at Texas Tech, you add a big chunk. 
And now all of a sudden you jump up to 545 games played in the career heading into this year. Now, obviously, some of those other teams are going to add to it, too. Like 2018, you had Malik Newman with his previous stop at Mississippi State. Uh, 2023, you had Kevin McCuller with, with Texas Tech, right? There are other ways of adding it. But you go into this year with 545 career games played. Last season had 369. So this is actually a much more experienced team. Again, 20 because you have Grady Dick and... And MJ Rice, right? You know, some freshman guys. Yeah, and then 2022 is actually the most uh, here, 719. I will say that data is very much skewed by Jalen Coleman Lance, who played like 150 <laughs> games. Also, Mitch Lightfoot kind of skews that as well, right? I mean, that that's like 300 of your your 719 games there. But that's the one you're going for. 2018, which was one of the most experienced teams that Bill Self has had per that Ken, Ken Palm metric, had 330 career games played. This one's over 200 more than that. 2016, which I think it was 2008 was the most experienced. 2016 was the second most experienced. That team had 609, so this one's not that far off from that. And then 2008, you had 496 career games played coming into the season at all stops. So this one had 50 more career games played than that. Then you go to career starts. This team has 375 career starts headed into the year. Last year, you had 151. 2022, you had 399. Again, skewed by Jalen coleman Lands. <laughs> 2018, you had 147. 2016, 247, 2008, 326. So again, because well, Jalen Coleman Lance was in like his seventh season. At yes, he played at what DePaul, uh, Iowa State. Iowa State. Didn't he go somewhere else? Yeah, there's somewhere else in there. <laughs> I, I can't remember. Um, and then you look at the minutes played. This year's team is going to have 13,981 career minutes coming into the year. That's almost double what they came into last year with. A little over 7,000. 2022, they came in with over 16,000. Again, Jalen Coleman-Lands, Mitch Lightfoot, skewing the numbers. Um, 2018, they came in with a little over 7,000. So again, you're almost doubling that up. 2016, you came in with over 11,000 career minutes played. So you're almost 3,000 better. And then 2008, you came in with 13,094 minutes. So you're almost 1,000 minutes more coming into this year. So again, you circle back to this. It's not the most experienced team, though it's not like I don't know. It's not one of the least experienced teams that Bill Self's had in terms of just KU time. It's not one of the most. But when you add everything together and you just say experience playing the collegiate game, experience playing at the collegiate level, this is one of the most experienced rosters, not just in the country this year, but that Bill Self has ever had. Yeah, and when you look at these numbers and you start to break it down, it kind of becomes more clear that this was definitely a priority for the KU staff in the transfer portal, right, of looking for guys that have experience. Now, in the case of Hunter Dickinson, he has experience, and also he was the number one transfer portal recruit. So you just you get both best of both worlds there. But again, a guy like Nick Timberlake, there were guy, there were other shooters that KU could have tried to go after in the portal that you know maybe weren't as as necessarily experienced or had played as much college ball as Nick Timberlake. Like there were other options. No, you go get Nick Nick Timberlake, who again was one of the top shooters in the portal, but also. With the experience, too, right? And so it's clear that that was something that KU was also looking for, was guys who did already have college experience because there were some other guys that they that they didn't go after as much who maybe didn't have as much of that college experience. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying that that was, like, their top priority, but I think it's pretty clear that it was something they considered, right? Yeah. And, and you know what else is crazy as you're going through the numbers there? That was me comparing it with this team. To those, uh, and, and this does matter because, you know, I guess if that's what you're going to roll with, that's what you're going to roll with. But keep in mind that that's with this team having 11 scholarship players. Th this was me only counting scholarship players, by the way. I didn't 
count, you know, the, the walk-ons and stuff. Dude, you um, didn't count Jankovic? No, I didn't count Jankovic or like Chris Tehan in the past. I just counted the scholarship guys. Oh, that's kind of uh, rude. But, but think about how crazy that is. That this one holds its weight when you add up the totals and is better than most of these other ones with 11 scholarship players. Yeah. Whereas like the 2022 team, I'm pretty sure it had 14 scholarship players because you were allowed to go one over if it was a COVID player, which was the case for Mitch Lightfoot. So if you really... Well, imagine if this team adds Grant Nelson. Yeah, example. yeah, exactly. Grant Nelson or, or whoever's on Poland, right? Like, yeah, th- then at that point you're getting even crazier. But if you do it as like a... Even the other schools on this list have 12 or 13 scholarship players. So they have as much, if not more, experience already with just 11 guys... I, I think that has to be a great thing for KU. I mean, I don't know how yeah. it couldn't be. Yeah. Uh, just the, the fact of having veteran players that know what to expect going through the grinds of college basketball. Yes, you have to learn the playbook. Yes, you have to learn how to play with each other. Yes, you have to learn about the tendencies and, and what Bill Self wants out of you and, and what he's going to demand every day. But older guys are going to learn that faster than younger guys who yeah. are in college for the first time and don't know how to handle going to basketball practice, being dead tired, then going to class and then, you know, doing homework after or whatever. Like, you don't have to worry about that with the older guys. Like, they've been through the ringer. They know what to expect. Yeah. And being one of the most experienced teams that Bill Self has had when you look at those total minutes, total games played, total career starts, I, I don't know how when you combine that with the talent that they should have on paper, this team feels like the bare minimum is being a one seed. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Which yeah. is crazy. I mean, if you're a top four preseason team, you're basically saying this is a top, this is a one seed going into the year, right? Mm-hmm. So absolutely. And again, I, I think for KU, it it will definitely help the most early in the season in terms of you know, let's say there is a bit of a growing period of learning how to play together, of learning how to play under the Bill Self system, of, of all that stuff. Let's say, let's say that all that stuff does take a little bit longer for for some of the more experienced guys. Where that's going to help them is if they have a hiccup early in the year, if they kind of struggle early in the year, a younger team, again, a younger team that might cause them to unravel at that point. I don't think that'll happen with this team because of all that experience that you outlined. You know, let's say they, you know, let's say they take a lump, whatever the Champions Classic, or they go to Maui and they and they, you know, lose a game or two down there. Like that, to me, is where this type of experience is going to benefit teams uh, team the most. And I think I really want to highlight that because it's something that let's say that happens in you know November or whatever, and then KU does go on to be a one seed or go on to make an Elite Eight or Final Four or even win a national title. That start of the year where they could have potentially crumbled to me is what will stick out to me the most if things play out that way it's like okay you have a lot of experience this is where it helped you the most because you were able to get knocked down a little bit early in the year and then still go on to win a national championship still go on to be a one seed still go on to make the final four whatever it may be now obviously or it just could be they hit the ground running and they just steamroll everybody which also which would also be really awesome in my opinion He's Nick Springer. We're gonna just, hear just steamroll everybody. Just I, you know what? Forget all that crap. Just steamroll everybody. Okay. We're gonna hear more of Nick's opinions throughout the show, including coming up next. KU mailbag on the other side. You're listening to RCST. This is segment. KLWN. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We will have Kevin Flaherty join the show at 4:40 here. Uh, but it is that time. As we get to our latest edition of the KU Mailbag. Open the mail. Check it. We got letters. What's in the mail today, Derek? Uh, first up from Jeffrey. You can hey, add- Jeffrey. 
you can add uh, one for sure improved skill, i.e. better shooting, ball handling, defense, etc., to one KU player for this next season. Go. Okay, I love this question, and I think it's my favorite question of the week, so I'm glad we're starting off with it. I think it's interesting for a couple of different reasons. To me, I could be wrong here. To me, I think the most obvious answers are Kevin McCuller three-point shooting or KJ getting a jump shot. I think, honestly, anybody three-point shooting could be a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think, but think about it. If Kevin McCuller is a 34% three-point shooter next year, whew, that's incredible. That'd be yeah, nuts. like four attempts per game. Yes, yes. Like, what if he's? What if he turns into Jalen Wilson? Jalen Wilson shot, I think, thirty-four, just over thirty-four yeah, percent. But he, but he had, game. yeah, yeah. he hit a lot of attempts. So maybe, like, he turns into Jalen Wilson with less attempts. 30, 33. That would be a big development. Thirty-three point eight percent on right. You know, and I, I think almost uh, four times per game. I think what's unspoken here in this question is it has to be realistic. Like, if it's oh, I can make this guy a fifty percent three-point shooter. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's a different conversation. Yeah. But imagine KJ develops a jump shot. That could also help a lot. Yeah, that could also help with spacing. It could help with, you know, the idea of playing him on the perimeter, which Bill Self clearly is already open to, right, or or wants to try to even implement. So, to me, those are the two best options. Although, I will say, a sneaky, really, really, really good third option, Nick Timberlake, better defender. Ooh. That might be the the, the sneaky best pick, actually. Yeah, I do like that one because that allows you to keep him on the court longer, I yeah. guess, which yeah. would help you with three-point shooting if he can be on the court for, you know, 28, 30 minutes per game. That's a good answer there. Um, what if we add... Now, I... See, I don't know how realistic this one is, but what if you can add some sort of like foot speed or quickness to Hunter Dickinson in the same way that Yudoka Azubuke went up from his junior to senior year? Okay. Yeah. Would that help at all? Maybe a little bit? I just, I mean, I just, um, here's the deal. I don't think you should add anything to Hunter Dickinson. That's probably not realistic. Yeah. Because he's already going to be That's so true. great. You've got, I think if you add other things to other players, that will significantly increase the ceiling of KU versus adding something to Hunter Dickinson. Because you already know okay. Hunter Dickinson is going to be elite. No, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, what about with KJ? And I think another sneaky one that you could convince yourself is ball handling. Yeah. We saw him be, be able to, like, like if he grabbed a rebound and, and the guys who he was going to try to outlet pass were covered, like, he could that dribble be, it up to mid-court yeah. line. That'd but be like, another way of him getting on right. the perimeter. Because then if, if he can at least dribble, he can he can drive easier, where if somebody's sagging off of him, he can take advantage of that more. Yeah. And we know yeah. he's a good enough passer for being a big. Yeah. I think oh, that could one. be an underrated one, Yeah, I mean, think about too. his passing out of the out of the high short roll they did a lot. Right. right with him and Dewan. Like, he, he's definitely a capable passer. Right. So now if he can cross you over on another four-man or something, or he can be more of a true four-man of what KU has, has had with, like, Jalen Wilson, I think that would be very beneficial of, of just his ball-handling ability. Mm. Is there anything you could add to Dewan Harris from like a, a scoring perspective? Uh, maybe improve his driving. I don't know. Does that do anything for you? Like add more to his floater game. Yeah, which I add, feel like has been pretty more strong. To like but, his downhill speed. Yeah, like can Dewan Harris go from being like a solid? I I don't. I wonder what the synergy numbers are there. I've I've always felt like Dewan Harris has been like a solid. Uh, like had a solid like float game and like yeah. teardrop and stuff. Yeah, I wonder what the synergy numbers. I'll try to pull this up. Make but if, if you better. could, if you could turn Dewan Harris, the issue is we can't really pick anything for El Marco because we just don't really know. Right. If you could turn Dewan Harris from a good floater player or whatever, I'm about to see what it, you know, how he's done on those shots. Yeah. Into like an elite floater player, like how much would that help you? 
I think it would help you a lot off like pick and roll. Like, okay, imagine he was, you do pick and roll and you try to, you know, drop off off of that with Dewan Harris and then he just whoop right over you. He was fifty second percentile in runners. So very average. Yes. Like so like can you turn the that definition of average with more um reps, can you turn him into being like in the seventy fifth percentile? Where Yeah, I'm just I don't know, man. I'm really stuck on Either Kevin, KJ, or Timberlake. I think those are the three guys where if you add something to them, that is what increases KU's yeah. like, peak. To me, I most. think I think the top two for me are Kevin three or KJ ball handling. Yes. Those I are agree. two to me. I agree. I think Timberlake defense is a sneaky good one. No, I do. But I agree. I, I would probably pick Kevin three. Yeah. That's okay. what I would pick. Um this one from Darius. Who do you think turns out to be the biggest surprise, good or bad, for three point shooting next year? Mm, okay. We just talked about Timberlake. Here's what I'll say about Timberlake. I am a tiny bit nervous. I don't want to come out and just say, I don't want to, you know, be like saying I'm really scared because I'm not actually that concerned. But picture this. Let's say Nick Timberlake is a 37% three-point shooter next year. I think that would be disappointing for what mm. KU needs him to be. I guess it depends on the volume to me. Right. I mean, if, if he's, he's shooting, 37- what if he's shooting seven a game? Because it's like he's the only okay, guy fine. who can shoot threes, that's, right? That's fine. That's fine. But if he's like, if he's like 37, 36 or lower, that's disappointing. And I, that I'm not, I'm not saying that that's what I think is going to happen. I'm just saying if if you look at KU's shooting situation, a lot of it revolves around the idea of Timberlake being at least high 30s, low 40s on pretty decent volume, right? So what if he's, what if what if he is not quite that, right? And and like 37% from three is obviously still really good. But for what KU needs and for what kind of the expectations of Timberlake right now seem to be, that would be kind of disappointing. So I don't really know if you want to call that a surprise, like bad, but yeah. I, I, am a, I am a little nervous. Again, I don't want anybody to go out there and just say, well, oh, well, I'm terrified Nick Timberlake actually sucks. No, I don't think that at all. I think he's going to be great. But I'm just saying like, if he's like I said, if he's a thirty-six percent three-point shooter, that would like, probably feel 40, like a right? letdown. That would probably feel like a letdown. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Um, I think for me, from the bad perspective, I would almost go with with Hunter Dickinson because it, it's small enough yeah. volume that a, a, one bad two-week stretch where you go zero for ten over the two-week stretch because he's not going to be taken as much as these other guys could make it so that at the end of the season you're shooting 30%. And people are like, oh, I thought you were a high 30s, low 40s guy from three, even though it is limited volume. That would be my answer there. Okay. I also think same kind of thing with Dewan Harris. Like, Yeah, I could say that with Dewan Harris. What if Dewan, the, the, he goes up he to up, three or four yeah, threes per game, volume, but it's and now 33% yep, now. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, you just read my mind. That's exactly what I was saying. Flip side of that, though, biggest surprise for good, I would go Arterio Morris. Or El Marco. I think El Marco, yeah, El Marco, it's just, we don't really know that much. Exactly, yeah. with any of the freshmen. And I think to that same notion, I would almost say if I'm going with one of the freshmen, I would go Marcus Adams. I would not be shocked. What if Marcus Adams comes in and he's one of your best three-point shooters, even yeah. if he's playing limited time? Because if you look at what he's doing at the high school level, Marcus Adams, he's going nuts. Yes. Now, it's against like lower competition or whatever. That's why he's lower ranked. But, I mean, he had he had 50 points, I think, almost in a game a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um. I think that... 
there's a chance with Arterio because he shot almost like 50% over the last month and a half the season on limited sample. I think there's more there than you might think from just seeing 33% and on kind of limited volume. I could see him turning into one of your better three-point shooters, especially if he's playing an off-ball role and, and turns into that. So he would be my answer, I think, for the surprise one. Or Marcus Adams. Those yeah, be because I don't... I mean, I know we just got done talking about the idea of Kevin McCuller increasing his three-point shooting. I'm not expecting that. Uh... But I don't think it's going to happen either, right? I'm, to me, I would be. I'm expecting Kevin McCuller to shoot in the 30 to 32 percent range because mm-hmm. that's what he's been for his entire career. So I'd be shocked if there's any jump, either negatively or positively, out of him. So yeah. that's why I'm not really like. I don't really think he's going to do anything that's going to surprise either way. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. It feels like it's going to be pretty, at least close to those numbers. Yeah, with him. So those would be the answer. Uh, this one from Kevin. This is Kevin Flaherty. Who we're going to have on the show later. We'll be asking yeah. him questions later. What are Nick and Derek's favorite KC barbecue joints? Okay, so Kevin is a known KC barbecue mm. connoisseur. Yes. Uh, and so when he asked this question, I felt that it, it's a trap question. I don't really know what the trap is or what the angle is here, but immediately I was like, hmm, interesting. I'm going to be honest with you. I think I'm going to go with Harps Barbecue. Hmm. Kevin has actually taken us there, and it was it was really good. I think that's probably my number one. And listen, admittedly, for living as close to Kansas City as I do, I haven't really tried all the different places, to be quite honest with you. But I'll go with Harps. Okay. I, I See, for me, it's it's dependent what I want. I think um, Slaps is the best ribs I've had, and I love there. They have this, like, baked potato casserole that's really good. Um, I think with Harp... They have the best. I, I love their sausage. Uh, I, the one that I tried, which was there, was really good. Did you and get I the blueberry see, one? Yeah, it was like this blueberry maple one. It was really good. Uh, I always see them on you know, social media and stuff with, with the different sausages they have. They also have really good brisket. They might have the best brisket I've had. Yes, that's what I had, and I thought it was Yes, good. and yeah. then I think for me, Chef Jay might be my favorite overall with just like encompassing everything. Uh, really good mac and cheese, really good bacon, burn ends, Um I think that Q39 might be my favorite for like elevated barbecue. Like if you want a more kind of nice sit down or if you want like a really like good if, sandwich. If you're not just trying to just yeah. go messy, yes. get in there. And I think the best sandwich. Listen, some of these places, you have to be ready you do. for war. You do. You have to be ready to go to war when you get in there. Yeah. Like it's going to be, you're going to battle. Yeah. I, I think the it's best. It's going to get messy. The best sandwich for me is either going to Q39 or you get the uh, the, the Rocket Pig, I think it's called at uh, Z-Man or, or the Z-Man at uh, Joe's. Those would be the answers there. So I, I think it's kind of dependent, like what exactly you're looking for. If you want like an authentic Kansas City experience, I'll never blame someone for doing Gates or Arthur Bryant's. I'm more Gates than Arthur Bryant's, but yeah, I think my favorite overall at this point might be might be Chef Jay. Uh, okay, this one uh, from Bradley. Besides Hunter Dickinson, who has the best chance to average 15 points per game this season? Okay, so we've gotten this question quite a bit, in different ways, in of different it. forms of asking. Yes, I'll just say this. If KU averages 80 points per game, who who cares? Who cares? Okay? Now, that being said, because I am a gentleman, I will answer the question. All right, so let's think about this. Kevin McCuller averaged 10.7 points per game last season. Is he going to get to 15? Mm. Probably not, right? DeJuan Harris averaged, I think, around that same number last season. Is he going to get to 15? Probably not. KJ Adams, 
he had that crazy stretch where he was getting like 18 and 8 in January, but he didn't. I don't remember what he averaged for the whole season. I don't think it was 15. No, he. I, I think for Big 12 play, it might have been around 13 though. Okay, but is he going to get there, or is or is he is is, uh, is that production going to go to Hunter Dickinson basically? So is K, is KJ Adams going to get there? I don't know. Is Nick Timberlake even going to play enough minutes to get there? Probably not. Is El Marco just going to be this electro, electrifying freshman? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I don't think it's that crazy to say Dickinson gets his 19 and 9 or 20 and 10 or whatever. And then you have like four guys that are between like 13 and 11 points per game. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I, I think the real answer is nobody gets 15. Beyond, like, this past season, Jalen Wilson was at 20.1. Grady was at 14. Yeah, I was going to say, Grady didn't even get to 14, 15 last year. And, and I think Grady would be a better answer than anybody that you would have this year for just the scoring element of it. Uh, by the way, yeah, in conference-only numbers, KJ was third on the team at about 11.5. I think that it's funny. You could convince me that Dewan Harris could end up second on the team in scoring if the, the hypothetical you just tossed out that Hunter's around 19, 20 a game, and then you have three guys who are around 11 to 12 to 13 a game that maybe Dewan scoring 12 a game would be enough. But I just, I don't see the ceiling hitting 15. I think there's a ceiling that, that Kevin could get to 15, right? If, if he's shooting, which you talked about 34, 35% from three on high oh, yeah. volume. Yeah. It wouldn't be crazy for him to get there. I still think there's more there for KJ Adams that if he just becomes this elite driver of the basketball, which he was pretty good at it last year, maybe there's an opportunity just there. Think about how great Grady Dick was last season right. as a scorer. And he only got to 14.1. Any chance Nick Timberlake? Again, like, is he going to play enough minutes? Yeah. Is he going to, I mean... Can you can you expect a guy to average 15 points per game on yeah. 22 minutes per game? No, I, I think my answer right now is I, the best chance to do it would be, I think, Kevin. Besides Hunter, obviously. It was part of the question. I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think I would probably agree. But, I mean, would I be that surprised if we're sitting here next May and Kevin was ended up being fourth on the team in scoring? Nope. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Nope. Wouldn't be surprised at all. This one from Caleb. KU football question. For KU to reach eight to nine wins, what position group has to be great besides quarterback? Hmm. This is an interesting one. I think I think it's got to be D-line, right? Or secondary? Well, it depends how you view this because the I word mean, I guess great. Could, I mean, I guess you could just say wide receiver room and the KU just scores 50 points a game. Offensive line. I think that could be a good, good answer because if, if you have a great offensive line, it's not just that you're keeping – like think about it, you're keeping Jalen upright more, which and increases the chance he's healthier. Running the ball well. Too. Yeah, and, and as good of a running team as KU was last year, a lot of it was just based on the skill. Like, yeah, I thought KU was a better pass blocking team than they were run yeah, blocking. Yeah, they could team. be kind of stagnant. There honestly. were times when they couldn't get much yeah. push. Right, it would yeah. just be neutral at the line. Yeah, if you become a great offensive line, you're getting push. And they were already that last year from just scheme and talent. But again, now what you're if just, they become this dominant running team? But again, I think you're gonna have to score 50 points a game. That's why I want to pick something on the defense so badly because I think the defense needs to do needs to limit the other team somehow. Yeah. No, I I think you're right. So to like, reach eight or nine wins, they have to probably get up to being like a top half defense in the Big Twelve. And to do that, <laughs> that might be tough, right? Or like in the middle of the pack, I should say. Like okay, around, around that like, sixth to eighth range. What if they're like there's fourteen teams now, right? What if they're tenth? Is that good enough? If they have like the number two offense, might be. I think they could wins. have the number two offense. Yeah. So I mean, maybe I mean how many offenses in the Big Twelve are going to be are returning as much experience as KU and have right. as much firepower as KU? 
Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 like how much is Quinn Ewers going to take a leap of Texas? Uh, what is Oklahoma going to look Dude, like with Quinn Dylan Ewers, Gabriel? Give me a break, Arch Manning. Come I don't. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I think to be great, like I think KU just needs the linebacker and D line group to just be like, be like good enough. No, right? I, I agree with that. So that's why I said secondary. Yeah. Because if the secondary is great, and you're getting interceptions, you're you know you're getting some more coverage sacks with. You know, great lockdown in the secondary. I think the secondary might be the answer. Okay, and that's the, and that's to me is the position group that has the greatest possibility of actually being great. Mm. You know, because like you can just say, "Well, the D line needs to be great." Well, look at the D line. I mean, you're going to need some guys that are to take significant steps. Is that crazy to think the secondary could just be great though? You're going to have Kobe Bryant, who was already preseason first team. You have in the sec in the at the safety position, you have Kenny Logan, OJ Burrows. OJ Burrows, great coverage guy. Kenny Logan is the leader, right? So. That's the group that maybe has the most potential to be great, right? I think that's fair. Yeah, so well, I'm going secondary. If, okay, what? Here, here's a little fun answer. What if I say specialists, like special teams in general? No, no, doesn't do it for you. Well, that okay, that might that might move the needle like one win or two wins. That could be the difference in winning six to eight, which is this question. I mean, so <laughs> I, I, I guess, but dude, picking special teams, that's just such a cop out. I okay. That's, that's like, that's just like, oh, I don't know. Special teams. Like, no, be a man. Pick some, pick a real position group. No offense okay. to punters and kickers. And punters uh, la- are people too. <laughs> last one from Richard. KU football sent out their first three week schedule and they're all at weird or bad times. Thursday night to open the season, 930 PM central time at Nevada and Illinois could be played on a Friday, which is the worst. I guess which do you least like? Okay, I, I, guess. I actually, the opening of the season being on a Thursday, I think is is great. I'm fine with that. I'm I'm totally cool with it being on a Thursday. Honestly, honestly, I actually like that better because what I remember from last season with the season starting on a Friday was that it was Friday night and then you go into Saturday and then it was like the weekend was almost over. Like it felt like you, you know what I mean? Like you go crazy on Friday night to kick off yeah. the season and then it was like then you wake up and it's Sunday. You know what I mean? How crazy were you going? Okay. I didn't mean like, I just meant like, you know, next thing you know, it's Sunday. Yeah. Thursday gives you a chance to just, you know, enjoy the start of the season, have a great time, you know, take the Friday off, take a half day on Friday, roll in at 12 o'clock on Friday, whatever. And then you still can enjoy the rest of the opening of the season and everything and or your weekend just in general after that. So I I like Thursday a lot, actually. Yeah. I'm actually with you on that. I, I didn't like the Friday ones because we here are a station that airs and calls call or high school football. Yeah. So it sucks for us. I actually yeah, so I I like think the that Illinois one. I think the Illinois being on a Friday would be the worst. Would be the worst. Yes. Yeah, and, and like Because it's like, dude, it's a week for the Nevada game, it's a Saturday. You were yeah. probably gonna be staying up till midnight watching Pac after dark anyways. Yeah, I, so what's the big deal? I feel worst for the uh the like beat writers who have to beat deadline no, and they have to write true. early that in is, the morning. I actually but, do feel bad about that. You know, that that stinks for them and everything. But, listen, but yeah, for us it'd be the Illinois one on yeah, Friday. Not my problem. Yeah. I'd much rather Illinois play at Illinois, Kansas be at eleven AM. I'd rather be at nine AM, <laughs> to be completely honest, on Saturday what? than yeah. No. That's you, psychotic. 9 a.m. Saturday or that's, Friday that night is at 9 p.m. Why do you want to play anything Which at 9 a.m.? Which would you choose? Why do you want to do anything at 9 a.m.? That's just... What? I don't want to. I'm just saying if you're giving me You the, just said you did. You no, said, no, oh, no. I'd rather be 9 a.m. than 11 a.m. Does that not mean you want to? No, 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 no. Does that not mean you want to? No, wait, hold on. I was... I was no, what? 
What are you trying to say? You're mishearing me. I said that I would rather them play at 9 a.m. on Saturday than play on Friday. That's not what you said to start off. Okay, you well, changed your answer. I, I don't or know. You if changed I did. what you said. But that's what I would. I, I'd rather them play at 9 a.m. than play on Friday. Well, luckily they, we don't have to worry about them playing at 9 a.m. So it's, I don't care. I know. I'm just saying. Like <laughs> I really don't want them to play on Friday. But yeah, the the only bad thing about the Nevada one. It's just that thing where you just you know you have to wait all day for your team to play. Yeah. Like that's what sucks about that one. Yeah. But, but I mean, then I again, you get to watch all the other games. And yeah. You don't Dude, have to you like can take your Sunday yeah. afternoon dad nap on Sunday <laughs> and it's fine. Nobody cares. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our KU mailbag for the week. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome in to our four o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. We're going to be joined by Kevin Flaherty at 440 here on the show. We uh, also have another edition of Florida Man Mad Libs in the five o'clock hour, and we'll get to the latest on the NBA with uh, who's staying, who's going, all that sort of stuff later in the five o'clock hour too. Here's a bit of news from Transfer Portal, college basketball, KU-related stuff. Ernest Uday has picked his new school. He's going to be going to TCU. Wait, he's going to a purple school in the Big 12? He is. Oh, no. K-State. Oh. Uh, wait. Other one. Oh, okay. Never mind. So it's fine. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, whatever. Fine. Sure. Well, this was uh, certainly an interesting recruitment for Ernest Uday. He entered the yep. portal, and it seemed like he wanted to go to Duke, but that didn't materialize, whether it was a, yeah. an academics thing. What's weird is... Uh, I don't think he ever went on his official visit to TCU. No, did he? He was supposed to visit he TCU and K State. TCU and K State. The Duke stuff like seemed like it was guaranteed. Then it kind of fell through, and then he just kind of went ghost mode for right. a little bit there. I, I think I saw something about him uh, having some interest from Alabama, which I thought that would have made sense from a stylistic approach. He, he runs the floor well for a big and man. I, I gotta say, like I never, I, I didn't have any inside information or anything on on this, but like. After the Duke stuff fell through and he did kind of go completely quiet, it made me wonder if KU was maybe yeah. Would they have a chance of bringing him back? back. Yeah, and the answer to that is a definitive yeah, no. Obviously, now. that that did not happen. Right, uh, and he goes to TCU, which is I was thinking about it, and I guess it kind of makes sense for for what TCU is trying to do. I mean, what has TCU kind of become? They've become the team where they're just going to take some super athletic guys, <laughs> mash them together on a basketball court, and say. Good luck. I mean, that's kind of been their strategy the past couple of years, right? Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, Uday kind of fits in pretty well. He's a very, very athletic player, obviously, from what we saw at KU. And he has plenty of talent. And now he can go show off that athleticism, I guess, for TCU. Yeah, I, I think that's a great fit for him. Uh, being that, yeah, they do like to get in transition and run the floor. And that's kind of what he's best at. He's not the best half-court offensive player, but he has really good rebounding potential, yeah. really good I mean, defense think about it. potential. They, they do five athletes who happen to be playing basketball versus five <laughs> basketball players. I think he's going to cause KU some problems, for sure. But I also think uh, Hunter Dickinson, when when they play this year, will give him some issues in terms of spacing the floor and stuff. Yeah, well, and also think about the other issue that Ernest had, which was he kind of tended to foul a lot. Yeah, foul trouble. So... Imagine his long arms slapping Hunter Dickinson, and all of a sudden he's got three fouls ten minutes into the game. So, I, I don't know. The other aspect of this that kind of piqued my interest was, you know, we see a lot of guys going in the portal this year and recently for looking for NIL money, potentially, or looking for things like that. I, I have to assume that TCU probably is going to – I don't think TCU is going to be giving him that much more than what, like, KU could have offered him potentially to come back or like in Alabama or whatever. 
So clearly that was not as important for him, I would think. I mean, I don't know. Listen, I'm just totally guessing here. But I would I would think, based on KU's structure of NIL, they probably could have assured Ernest Duda he was going to be getting as much, if not more, than whatever TCU has offered him. I would assume I would, so, yeah. I would think. I, I would mean, assume so. I, know, I understand that that's kind of being on a high horse a little bit and just being like, oh, well, KU has all this NIL money. But, like, that's that's kind of how it is. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I think it, it – it might come off as sort of a silver spoon type thing, but I mean, KU has shown that they have a lot of NIL money and they they know how to structure it and they know how to maximize it. Right, and you're hearing a lot of stories about players getting NIL promises that never come to fruition. I think that is not something that KU has had to worry about, and I think yeah. the players, I think even players who like weren't really playing this past year, yeah, were probably getting a good amount of NIL money, and so I think that for me, to that notion. Ernest Duday going to TCU, it's more about he just wants playing time. Yeah, it's more about he just wants to shine. Yeah, uh, and be be the guy. Right. So, and I I still would. And I mean, you can't listen. I think I've said this before, but you can't blame a player no, at all. I, for I don't. I, I still would argue that, like, if if he's that good this year, again, what what UConn did last year, Adama Sinogo, who is going to stay in the NBA draft now. He was just the Final Four MOP. He put up ridiculous numbers. All Big East first team, 17 points, 7, 8 rebounds per game. Again, literally the MVP of the Final Four. He played 26 and a half minutes per game because Donovan Klingon was so good, it was like we have to get him on the floor for 13, 14 minutes a game. If if Ernest came back and he was that good, I don't think it would be as simple to be like, oh, Hunter Dickinson's playing 32, Ernest is only getting 8. I think at that point you're like, well, we have to get Ernest on the floor. Dickinson's only going to play 28 minutes now. And Ernest is going to play 12. And you might think that sounds crazy because Bill Self gives big minute loads to the players you trust most. Go back to the 2010-2011 season. Marcus Morris won Big 12 Player of the Year. I believe he was playing like 29 minutes per game. There is at least some sort of track record there that I thought Ernest, it could have made sense to be like, listen, you're still going to play 10-12 minutes a game on a really good team. And then if if Hunter goes at the end of next year, you're the starting center and you're the guy at a, a program that feeds the big man and develops big men. And guess what? If he does decide to come back for a second year, then use your free transfer. So I, I still thought there was enough there that it made sense to stick around. But yeah, if, if you're talking about you just wanted playing time right away, we know Eddie Lampkin left at the end of the season. I don't know what else TCU has at the center position, but I don't, I don't remember it being anything crazy. That much, no. So you're probably looking at him playing... I guess the going back to the foul trouble, that'll probably be the limit of how much he plays. Um, will he play 20, 25 minutes per game? Probably. And then how impactful will he be? That becomes a serious question. Um, I think he is set up among all the players that have left Kansas, though, via transfer portal to be the best player elsewhere. Now, I, I probably would have thought that regardless of where he ended up because I probably thought the highest of him of the players who did leave via the transfer portal. But I think it's a good spot for him. I mean, they, they fed Eddie Lampkin inside when sure. he was on the floor uh, because of his ability to run in transition, the athletic thing. Like, they like to crash the offensive glass. I, I feel like that'll be a good fit for him. It would not shock me if Ernest Uday... I, I don't know that I would expect it this year. But let's say Ernest Uday comes back for his junior year at TCU if he turned into like an all-Big 12-level center. Okay, we talk about how the KU fan base, KU fans will generally go out of their way to continue to support guys that mm -hmm. leave the program. Like, once a Jayhawk, always Jayhawk, right? Does that apply in this situation? It's a wonderful question. I think if I you would have gone to K-State, it would have no. been, right? Yeah, or it would have been, yeah, not. But, yeah. But, I mean, does does the fact that he just entertained K-State 
does does that uh, in and of itself rub KU fans enough a little bit to where it might you know and obviously I mean there's been other KU players recently that have transferred in conference I mean Bryce Thompson good example right uh, so it's not like this is the first time it's ever happened but this is the first time where it's felt like there was maybe some dis some disgruntlement mm-hmm. on the side of the player well it's interesting too because in a lot of cases of other guys who have transferred away like when when Quentin Grimes transferred away. Um, I, I think there was some distaste from KU fans about how his season went and how it ended being super inconsistent. Um, but at the end of the day, it was like, we understand why you're transferring. You yeah. kind of want to be, I don't know. It, it's funny. Part of the reason why I think he transferred to begin with was because he wanted to, they had Devon Dotson and he wanted to be more of the guy handling the ball, more of that combo guard, which he was at the prep level. He goes to Houston and he ends up developing into a wing and that's what got him drafted, which is what KU would have wanted from him all along. Um, but like, that one, or the Bryce Thompson one, where it was like Bryce struggled his freshman year and, and the role for him wasn't as clear as next year. He could have been a starter. He could have came off the bench. I think in hindsight, he clearly would have come off the bench uh, for the title team. And it was like, okay, like I, I sort of understand it and, and whatever. With Ernest, it's tough because you saw him being a future really good player for Kansas. Yeah, And so I think that could add a bit to the idea especially yeah then you had the k-state thing where clearly from his side he was trying to kind of be like yeah bleep you back to you you know a little <laughs> bit there whether it was to the staff or, or uh, the program as a whole yeah. and but think about this when he transferred the general reaction was oh man that was the guy everyone was really yeah. excited about like the general reaction was oh wow that sucks that he's that he did decide to do that right so there was is it like does, which way does that go? Is it right. like, a, oh, he was super talented, so that's a bummer that he left, but wish him the best? Or is it a, man, this guy was going to be like the dude, and then he just wanted to quit on us? Sure. Or, you know, well, like, for instance, fan perspective. here's a good way of gauging it. TCU comes in now in Fieldhouse. They're announcing the TCU starting lineups. Ernest Uday gets announced. Does he get booed or clapped? I don't think he gets booed, right? I don't think it would be like an overwhelming... Boo! But are the do, is is it notable enough where you're in the stands? You can hear handfuls of KU fans booing. Maybe I think so. Yeah. Okay. But but but, but if it's like eighty twenty, right? Then you know, like eighty percent of fans are still like clapping or whatever, or just you know, whatever. I think you'll hear a couple. I I think for the most part it. Or what if it's just like a situation where it's just kind of a whole hum, like they just ignore. It might it. be. They just don't even acknowledge it. Yeah, it might be. And it could be one of those things, too, where it's like, oh, it's Ernest, ha-ha. And, but then if he starts going off, he has then 14 and 12 against then Kansas, then there's some animosity there, <laughs> right? Or if Ernest, like, do you think he would try to, is like, yelling at the crowd. Yeah, let's say, do you think he would try to... I don't know. Try to antagonize a little bit? At that point, if you start antagonizing, yes, you will You will start to get to that point. But I think okay. at the beginning, no, I, I don't think that would necessarily be the case. And to be clear, I like Ernest. I think he's a good kid and everything. And yeah, I, I mean, I don't, have, any, I don't yeah. have any problem. Yeah, no. um, good luck to you. Except I'm just when, curious. Except when you play KU, and other than that, fine. Sure, yeah, I, no, I'm just, I'm just generally curious how how the fans kind of receive him to that point in time. And I think this goes back because, to when— listen, when guys transfer, very rarely do they then have the opportunity to come back to Allen. Yeah. Right? I mean— Well, it's becoming more often yeah, now. Because We're seeing more in-conference in transfers. Yeah, but I mean, think about that. Like, a lot of guys that end up transferring— that never happens. You never see them again, right? Especially at especially at your place. Mm-hmm. You know, KU saw Charlie Moore again, but that was in the tournament. 
No, it really doesn't happen too often. And now you have a couple revenge games with Bryce Thompson going back and <laughs> Ernest Duday out and there. And Bryce Thompson went off yeah. against KU when he came back down. Yeah, so that that's not totally ideal. I'll say this. It, it, it makes it even more real because it's one thing if – if a player leaves the program and they go to another school and they have success, especially if it's at a mid-major, it's like, oh, good for them. Yes. I'm rooting for the, them. I'm the overarching them. reaction is, great job. Yes. Like, let's go, you know, Again, look the, at Silvio. Yes, Chattanooga. Chattanooga. It's like awesome. People, everyone love Chattanooga. Yeah. Um, it's another thing when you go to Power 5, but if it's like a Power 5 and it's, you know, out of the way, it's like Florida or something, and, and they're not playing KU. It's just, you know, you, you exactly. reform from the side. Exactly. It's a whole nother thing when it's in your face directly, and because they're in your conference, not just because of the head-to-head matchups, but because you're going to watch other conference games more often than non-conference games uh, or, or games outside of your conference, I should say, um, it's going to make it more visible. Like, it's, it's easy to sweep under the rug if Ernest Uday goes to, okay, like Zuby Edgefer. Zuby Edgefer is a St. John's. It'll be easier to sweep under the rug if St. John's the team that, like, they're playing in the NIT this next season and he put up 10-8 and eight because you won't be really paying much attention to St. John's. It's another thing if TCU's right in front of your face as a top 25 team and they upset you in Fort Worth and Ernest is averaging 13-9 and nine this year where you're going to be like, that yeah. sucks that we don't that, have him. That would suck. Yeah. Yeah. No, that what you just described, that would definitely, <laughs> that would definitely classify under that would suck. Yes. Well, I I do think though going back to when he originally scheduled those visits with Duke, TCU, and Kansas State, this does yeah, end up the okay. best option there. Yeah, I don't understand from KU why perspective. KU fans kind of got all fussy about the idea of Duke. Like. Whatever. If I think Duke, it's whatever. the idea. Now, there are some people that really do, like, root against Duke and Kentucky and Carolina every I game. I mean, I feel that, I way, towards, back, I feel that right? way towards Kentucky, but mm. I don't really care about Duke. Well, I, I think what it is for, and, and this is where I, only feel I, I thought like, was, I only feel that way towards Kentucky because Cal's a clown. <laughs> well, th- this is where I thought it was interesting with the Duke thing. In theory, Duke and Kansas are your two. I mean, they, they are the two betting favorites right now. Okay, yeah. Could you imagine a world where Kansas loses to Duke in the Final Four with Ernest Duday starting? At that point... That would also suck. Right. <laughs> no, that would not be fun. But, like, I, I don't know. I mean, so much has to happen for you to, for that to happen. Whereas at TCU, sure. you're automatically guaranteed... The path is already there. ...to play them at least twice, maybe three times if you see them in the Big 12 tournament, or even in the NCAA tournament. Whereas, like, with Duke, it's like... Yeah, okay, you maybe run into them late in the NCAA tournament, but dude, so much can happen. You know, Duke sucks. They'll probably get upset anyways. Like, whatever. It's fine. It's not a big deal. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's that's definitely possible. So, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll develop it from here. I, I do feel like among all those guys that have transferred lately, this is the one to me that feels like it has very high potential to... Yeah. I don't want to say backfire because it's not like you wanted him to leave, but to, yeah. to make you feel like you missed out on something, which is crazy because well, Quinn like, Grimes even, ended up being like a first-round pick on a Final Four nobody 14. really thinks that KU missed out on that. No. Or even Bryce it's Thompson. It's just like, ah, it makes sense. You know, Bryce Thompson's been a pretty solid yeah. player, but nobody's like, like ah, it makes yeah, sense. exactly. We want a title. This, the, you're right. This one would be like, this one would be the one where it would kind of hurt the most. Yeah, I guess sure. because, I guess because he, of the way it happened, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is, whether it's the in-conference thing, whether it's the way it happened where you didn't want him to leave. I don't know what it is. There's just uh, something about it. Maybe it's just thinking he has really high potential to be kind of a Yudoka Azabuki type. I don't know. Yeah. All right, he is uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Kevin Flaherty is going to join us in about 20 minutes from right now. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. 
Welcome back in. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Joined now by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. As much as I would like to devote these next, I don't know, 15 minutes or so talking with Kevin about his trip to New York and, and getting to try Pappy and, and all the different great whiskeys and bourbon, uh, there is some big KU news since we last talked to you. Kevin McCuller returning to the fold with, with KU. And I'm curious because a lot of the the... I don't know, Knox is probably too strong of a word or negative, still too strong of a word with Hunter Dickinson, but have been related to, well, what is it going to mean for the KU defense? But now that they have Kevin McCuller back in the fold, along with obviously returning Dewan Harris, KJ Adams, a good defender as well, do you think Kansas can not just be a good defense, but can they be an elite defense, even with Hunter Dickinson? Yeah, I think so. And we've talked on the show before about the different things that Bill Self has been able to do over the years to to build defenses with different types of, of big men. And specifically, I think we talked about sort of the way he tweaked that 2020-2021 uh, that defense around David McCormick. You know, that was a team that midway through the season, all of us were kind of like, man, this this may be Bill Self's worst defense, you know, and it was hard to see a way forward where they were going to be a good defensive team. And then, you know, he kind of tweaks the the depth of uh, of David McCormick's drop. He does a, a few different things. And I think Kansas had a top five or top eight defense over the last month of the season. Still wound up losing to USC, but it was one of those things where you say, wow, if if he can take this defense that you say in midseason has no answers and find answers within the season, then there's probably not a whole lot he can't do. And I, I think that that's, that's something that in this case is maybe educational or, or something to reflect on because I do think that the way that Kansas is going to defend from a five-man standpoint is maybe going to be somewhat similar with Hunter Dickinson. You know, he's not – a guy like K.J. Adams that you feel can go out and switch multiple positions, and at the same time, he's not a, a dynamic rim protector or, or a guy that's that's going to get up off the top of his feet and, and protect everything in the paint, and so you really have to kind of tweak some of those other things. But you look at Dewan Harris coming back, you look at Kevin McCuller coming back, you look at some of the things you can do with KJ Adams, you know, potentially at the at the four as well. And, and Kansas, you know, this could be a team where yes, they're gonna they're gonna butter their offensive bread in the post and, and you know, getting points at the rim. But I think the other part is is, you know, overall we may look at them as being a better defensive team than an offensive team. Well that actually that was gonna be my next question. Like, do you think they're gonna be a better offensive or defensive team? So I guess I'll I'll alter it a little bit. Uh, like what kind of range do you expect them to be on both ends of the floor? If we're just talking, I don't know, Ken Palm, for instance, like would you put a range of top 20 on offense, top 15 on Like what are we kind of talking about here, do you think? Yeah, I do think that it's it's something that could be similar a little bit to that 2019-2020 team. I don't think they're, you know, you don't have Marcus Garrett as good as, the defenders that Kansas is going to have. You don't have sort of that one piece who can defend one through five that that team had. You aren't going to have a guy that a lot of people thought was maybe an even more impactful defender in Udoka Azubuki in terms of the way that he impacted the game. But at the same time, you are going to have 
you know, the ability to, to match up at several different spots, potentially have a, a top five type defense, I think. And I, the reason I point to that team too is that team had some shooting concerns and did some interesting things in the lineup. People forget it now, but David McCormick started 17 games that year at the four. <laughs> and so, and so, when you look at this year's team, I think it could be kind of similar in that we go into the year with maybe KJ Adams starting at the four, where you say, "Man, there's not really a lot of shooting. The spacing's a little bit awkward." You know, you can find some offensive complaints, but over the course of the year, maybe they find that group that works for them. You know, they they obviously wound up taking McCormick out of some of those lineups, playing Marcus Garrett at the four, getting an extra shooter out there, and Isaiah Moss. You know, in this year's version of that team, you you have Nick Timberlake, another transfer shooter who comes in. And so I think the offensive range could be kind of similar, you know, sort of a, a top 15 offense, maybe with upside into the top 10. But I do think that they're going to be better defensively. I think the big question to me, and obviously a lot of people, I'm, I'm sure same thing for you, seems to be how well they'll shoot it next season. If I asked you to guess who attempts the, I don't know, most threes on KU next season, I, I feel like the number one answer might be Nick Timberlake. Uh, just, uh, who would be your top two for that answer? Because you're, you're losing, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 per game just between Grady and Jalen Wilson. Like, Who would be your top two guesses for just most threes attempted next year? Yeah, I, I think outside of Timberlake, I think the guys that, that pop are Arterio Morris, depending on if he winds up starting. I think that's going to be a really intriguing one. He shot the ball really well down the stretch of the season, and it, it was a small sample size. But at the same time, we've seen so many times that freshmen don't shoot up to their capacity, and, and a lot of times they take that leap as a, as a sophomore just because they know – where their shots are coming from. They understand the speed of the game. They're better conditioned. And so I think Arterio Morris is in that group. And the and the next one might surprise some people. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see Kevin McCuller, you know, sort of have, I don't want to say a Jalen Wilson type year because I don't want people to, to think, hey, oh my gosh, he's going to be, you know, maybe the best forward in the country and he's, he's going to be an All-American. But I do think that, it's in play that Kevin McCuller becomes sort of an average to slightly above average three-point shooter and winds up taking, you know, a decent amount of three-pointers because he's going to be on the court a lot. As far as what they need to do from the three-point shooting to get it done, if we don't expect this to be a great three-point shooting team, like that's not how they're going to butter their bread, I guess. It seems like it will be with the post-up game and with the defense and everything. Like, To what level do they need to shoot it to at least qualify to be a good enough team to win the title? Yeah, you know, the, the team that always kind of jumps out as a recent title winner to say, this is the absolute bare minimum of shooting that you can have and and win a national title, I think, is that 2017 North Carolina team. And they really only had two shooters. was, you know, just an absolute knockdown guy necessarily either. But they were able to make it up on the offensive glass. You know, they they pretty much played volleyball on the offensive glass, and that was able to to kind of help them a little bit. And so I, I think you look at that model a little bit, where you say, 
hey, Kansas is probably going to be a pretty good offensive rebounding team. They're going to score at the rim. They're getting the points in other areas. But it's really, really, really hard to play without having multiple floor spacers out there. And North Carolina, that team at least, had a, had a couple of them. And they didn't have a, a whole lot outside of, of those two guys in terms of stretching. When you, when you look at Joel Berry, I think was, what, like a 38% three-point shooter. And Justin Jackson was like 36 and then you had two big men basically playing next to each other and Theo Pinson, who is a non-shooter. And so you'd like to have more shooting than that. But I do think that there's an example of, of a way that Kansas could potentially win uh, this year without having a team that overwhelms people from behind the arc. It seems like the way it's going that KU is not going to do anything else with the roster at this point, but let's say they did change their mind. Do you, do you think Grant Nelson would still work with the current roster construction? Yeah, I mean, somebody like Grant Nelson would make a lot of sense. You know, Arthur Kaluma is coming back now, too, you know, and, and is going to be in the transfer portal. You don't necessarily hear Kansas linked with Kaluma as much, you know, and I do think that – the Kansas has the pieces now with McCuller coming back that you don't necessarily need one of those guys. But when you look at the way that, that Bill Self has gone into the portal and just attacked, you know, getting pieces for this year's team, Derek, you really see Bill Self being a, a guy, the way that he's going right now, where he's going to leave an extra piece on the board if, if that's something that he feels like is going to get Kansas across the finish line? Because I, I don't see that. Yeah. I, I think – if a Grant Nelson's available, if if an Arthur Kaluma's available, if somebody like that is out there where Self says, hey, this this guy can help us win games, I see Bill Self going out and, and trying to get that guy. Would there, because you brought up Kaluma, would there be one or the other that you think would make more sense? Because I do agree with you. I, I think maybe it's something where KU's like, well, they're sitting back. If nothing happens, nothing happens. But if if this player's like, no, I adamantly want to come there, like, why would you not take them? So which would make more sense, Kaluma or Nelson? Yeah, I think they both have their strengths, but I would probably say Grant Nelson. I think that when you look at what has made Kansas so successful the last four years, that or the last few years, I should say, that, that Bill Self has really liked. He's loved having that uh, that fourth guy who can, quote, take it and go, as Bill Self always says, you know, take it off the glass, start the break. Grant Nelson's that guy, and he's got some defensive versatility. He can switch a little bit. Uh, I, th- I think he really fits from, from that standpoint. Kaluma's, you know, a little bit more physical, you know, tougher. There's some shooting projection there with Kaluma where you look at when Kaluma shoots the ball well, it's really easy to see Kaluma as a guy who can shoot the ball well. And I know that sounds weird to say, but at the same time, you know, the percentages don't necessarily back up Arthur Kaluma being a great shooter at this point. But if you were looking at, hey, you know, what's a way to get a guy out there that, that potentially could knock down an extra outside shot or two, if they feel like that shot is projectable, then maybe Kalum is the better fit. But I think it's Grant Nelson. Earlier today, Ernest Uday announced that he was going to be playing for TCU next season, a loss for Kansas. I guess, what do you think of his fit at TCU and what kind of impact do you think he could have for the Horn Frogs? Yeah, I really like the fit at, at TCU. And it's... Uh, 
it's kind of funny because I, I thought a lot of people felt like he was a, a hand-in-glove fit at Duke because Duke really desperately wanted a center you know, like a, a Derek Lively that isn't necessarily going to need a lot of offensive touches but was going to allow Kyle Filipowski to, to play the four and not have to play center, which he doesn't really want to do. For whatever reason, you know, that, that didn't work out. That didn't uh, didn't get across the finish line. And so now he's uh, now he's headed to TCU. He joins a team that is still really experienced. You know, last year heading in, I remember, you know, you guys and I having conversations about, oh, my gosh, look at all the guys that TCU is bringing back. Some of those guys are still coming back. And, and when you look at how experienced the team they are, when you look at them adding Avery Anderson, you know, Jameer Nelson Jr., which, I mean, that name just makes all of us feel really, <laughs> really old. But, uh, but, but bringing back some of their, some of their guys that have been around there a while, like Chuck O'Bannon Jr., who is about 35 right now. And, you know, the guys that are Micah PV and guys like that, I, I do think there's, an open spot at that center position, you know, for him to sort of battle with, with Coles a little bit. And it was a little bit of a weak spot for TCU. And when you look at what Uday did, you know, when he fared really well defensively, he's not going to need to carry the offensive load at, at TCU, at least not initially. And he's still going to get out there and get a lot of, get a lot of repetitions, get a lot of minutes, and, and he's going to have every chance to make an impact, especially on defense. Yeah, to your point on Jameer Nelson, uh, we just saw the Nuggets are playing for the finals this year. We just saw Jameer Nelson with the Nuggets in 2017, and that wasn't even his last year. <laughs> yes, that does uh, feel very old. Uh, KU football question here. Uh, Jonathan Kamara landed with them for the class of 2024. It uh, seems like he is just kind of a, I know he's listed as, I, I've seen it all over depending on the site. I think with 24-7 he's listed as a linebacker, but he was previously listed as a cornerback. Um, so I'm just viewing him as like athlete on the defensive end almost. Uh, but but I mean, how strong overall, now that they've landed Kamara, five recruits in tow, the other four top 1,000 guys, how strong of a class is this shaping up to be for the Jayhawks? Yeah, have you watched Kamara's tape at all? Nope. Like it, it, it is absolutely fascinating because he is a six foot four, two hundred and ten pound guy, and usually when you say to somebody, "Yeah, he played some corner in high school," they're thinking, "Oh, he was like a nickel guy, like that nickel linebacker." No, this guy was a full on outside corner. Like he was out there, you know, on an island this year playing cornerback, and so that tells you the kind of athleticism and twitch ability and ball skills that this guy's bringing in. And I think when you look at what Kansas asked Craig Young to do, it's really so much, especially against the pass, you know, in terms of he just gets dropped out there against, you know, wide receivers quite a bit. I think, you know, when you look at a a linebacker who is also kind of a safety who needs to have, you know, coverage and ball skills, Kamara fits that really well. But to your your question, I, I think it's a really strong class early on, and it puts... Kansas into position to do well with uh, with another Desert Edge guy. They've already got two committed, and, and Andre Gibson and Kamara. You know Carson Brune is is a guy that I've talked to different Big Ten coaches and, and a few MAC coaches, and, and they're really high on that guy and say that he fits everything that, that Kansas is going to want from a tight end. Being six foot six, he's really physical blocker. Uh, he can catch the ball and, and do things like that, and, and so. 
you know, Kansas's tight end position has been one of strength and one of strong depth, too. And Broon really helps there. I think, you know, Red Martell, we saw him at UC report in person, and he was kind of coming off an injury, so it wasn't a real great look there. But the star of the class, I think, at this point is, you know, Isaiah Marshall, the quarterback. And when you look at what Isaiah Marshall does, so well first of all you you don't take quarterbacks because of scheme fit and the reason you you don't is you know if you take a guy just because hey he's good in the air raid what happens if you're not running the air raid in two years you know you want the most talented guy and then you can plug them into your system and everything else but you turn on isaiah marshall's tape and here's a guy that you could pretty much picture him playing for KU on his high school tape. Like it's, hey, this is a pass that he'll be asked to make at Kansas. This is a throw that he'll have to make at Kansas. And he's got a lot of mobility. He's a good leader. You know, you look at all the different things. But this is a, this is a tremendous start in terms of building off momentum. And I don't think, you know, Kansas fans are negative enough about recruiting, I think, because we've all seen <laughs> – so many guys commit, you know, over the years and, and then wind up backing out, you know, later in the whole cycle. And so obviously this year becomes really important to, to sort of display to these players that, hey, the, the momentum is, it's continuing. But at the same time, if you're looking at, hey, where is Kansas at? Where does it want to be? And you look at the visits that they have coming in for June and things like that. This is about as strong a start as they probably could have hoped for. All right, we'll finish it off. Uh, who is in? And you were just at the the Sharp. I forget if it's the Sharp Camp or, or Academy uh, down in in um, the Kansas area, which I believe Jake Sharp is the one who puts it all together and everything. Uh, so uh, you probably have some names that certainly come to mind. So who is your uh, local prospect of the week? Yeah, you know, a guy that that actually didn't uh, didn't work out, but uh, was there and, and kind of talking to media that we haven't talked about is uh, is Michael Boganowski, the uh, the player over at Junction City. He plays safety at Junction City. He's going to be a linebacker in college, and for my money, he's the he's the number one player in the state for for twenty twenty four for this specific class and. You know, he's a guy that is probably six foot two, two hundred or so. He's really well built. He's an explosive athlete. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's going to play linebacker, who's running the four fives at different camps so far this year. So, I mean, he's he's a really good athlete. He's a guy that uh, that has visits set up for uh, for this month. When you look at uh, Kansas State's in there, Oklahoma's in there. He's going to visit Kansas, I believe, the ninth through the eleventh of June and then Stanford. And so, you know, a, a guy that, uh, a guy that has a chance to be the best player in this class and, you know, has a, uh, has a chance to be a major, you know, talent and big time player at the, uh, at the college football level. And I think, you know, when you look at the fact that Kansas is getting a visit, when you look at the fact that he's giving Kansas the kind of attention that he is, even if Kansas doesn't wind up getting him, I think it's showing a little bit the way things are changing in terms of the way that this staff and this program is perceived by the top players in the state. He is Kevin Flaherty. You can check out all his work at 24-7 Sports. Kevin, appreciate the time as always, man. Rest up, and uh, thanks for hopping on again. Thanks a lot, guys.
All right, that's Kevin Flaherty, fresh off a uh, fun little vacation. Two hours down, one to go. We got Florida Man Mad Libs coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That time for Florida Man Mad Libs is rejoined by Sam Speck. You know what I just realized? <laughs> yes, what? I didn't play the open. Oh, I was no. going to say, where's our deviant dumper on driveways or whatever wow. it is, either way. That's okay. It'll, it'll make it even better next week when we play it and we'll get back to the... I, just, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I just... I don't know. That's I all right. Forgot. We all have lapses. But, gentlemen, forgot. we ready once again for some Florida Man? I'm uh, ready. Oh, yeah. We're one of my more ready. excited times of the week. So, uh, no, wait, for you what, and, are, what are the records I, No, I'm definitely not ready because I didn't even play the Open. That's right. It looks like Nick's a little bit behind, and the records right now are heavily in favor to Derek, by the way. So a quick round of applause. Congratulations. Of course, the season is not over, but due to the rankings right now, there is no okay. way for Nick to okay. make a okay. comeback. Okay. Thank you for clapping, But uh, six and one. Uh, but First of all, I would like the record to know that was not me clapping. <laughs> but here is for the record. Nick's still in the lead after we've played three now almost full seasons. Uh, he is still in the lead of aggregate points by one, 126 to 125. So we're going to keep an eye Eric. on that. But uh, here it is. Yeah, we got four legitimate headlines that I've compiled from the last week. The first round will only have one redacted word or phrase. The next three will have two with a potential worth of three points. We watch uh, what rabbit hole these two contestants go down and figure out if they get the right answers or not. You're encouraged to play at home. As, uh, again, it's a point-based system and uh, always can be a lot of fun. So let's get into it, gentlemen. We are down in the Sunshine State quite a bit in this one, so I found a lot of Florida man. But, again, it does not have to be specific to that. Derek, Nick, you ready? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's do it. Okay. First, I don't think Derek's ready. First headline here, again, as I mentioned, comes out of our so illustrious state of Florida. But a Florida man vandalizes blank with his car. So it's a simple one, but it, uh, again could take you a whole lot of different ways. So a Florida man vandalizes either his neighbor's barbecue, a 13-foot bunny, or the city pool with his car. Okay, I have a question. I, I was under the impression that the term vandalize equals like... Like drawing on it? You're yeah. like, you know, not... Because, I mean, this, I mean theory, with his car, he obviously he crashed his car into it. So it just... He destroyed whatever it was, right? Maybe, Correct, yeah. yeah. Correct. So or, why do they use the word vandalize? I mean, it's it's the correct no. term. It, it doesn't. It isn't just specific to you know spray painting things like that. And okay. again, if right. you're in well, your car, my bad. my bad, my bad. You can burn donuts, right? That would kind of be vandalizing an area or crashing into things. Certainly, yeah. okay. I'm not sure. But sure. again, Fine. either his neighbor's barbecue, a 13 foot bunny, or the city pool. Okay, is what he was vandalizing. So with the city pool one, I don't understand how you'd be able to vandalize that with your car. Because if you drive your car into the pool, you just destroy your car. Well, there is no shit on the donuts. Nothing else happens. What if you wait? Like, it, it couldn't, it might not just be the actual water part of the pool. It could be the outskirts of the like pool. What, where like, like the diving the, boards or something? With the diving board. Yeah, he could have knocked over the diving board. If he just drives board. his car into the pool, that's like, he, <laughs> sure. I mean, pretty counterproductive. His car is destroyed and nothing happened to <laughs> well, the pool. What about the Nothing area, happens to the water when you drive your car into what it. What about the area where there's like the, the, Beach chairs, the lawn chairs type of thing. Oh, like what okay. if you did donuts there and ruined the flooring and hit a bunch of the chairs? And I don't know. Yeah, a lot of times okay. it's like tile or brick well, around I, the pool. Who knows? I am going to rule out pool. I don't think it's pool. So not a pool. So it's either so a bunny leaves. or his neighbor's barbecue. Okay. I'm going to go with bunny. 13 foot bunny. I'm thinking bunny. it's like Easter and he was like mad or something. 
And he just found the nearest rabbit or whatever it may have been. Screw your so giant bunny. Nick's going to lock in with a bunny. Derek, what are you feeling here? Yeah, my initial thought was this was like an Easter story, and maybe they put up like a big bunny around town, and, and something happened as a part of it. I just, I, that's such a, that's such a specific thing. A 13-foot bunny? Yeah, and I gotta be honest, like, you know, people put up inflatables for like Christmas and stuff. Uh -huh. When's the last time you saw anybody put up a an inflatable? That's, <laughs> <Easter? laughs> that's a good question. That's very true. That's like for East that's like for Halloween or Christmas. I'm gonna go with Bunny. Alright, so both lock it in with Bunny. Here it is. Ford man vandalizes a 13-foot bunny there with his go. car. There it was a go. sculpture, actually, so we not an inflatable. It it, oh. This was his second sculpture he vandalized within the week. Ew, so I don't understand. He just really Imagine. hates bunnies. I get well sculptures. I guess it was something oh. against art. It had nothing oh. to necessarily do. However, the headline did say "13 foot bunny." It was worth three hundred thousand dollars. So wow, that's bummer. an expensive bunny. Yes, it is. But uh, both of you coming away with a point there. So let's get into the meat again. These next three will have either uh, two. Well, they will have two redacted words or phrases. So let's get into it. This one's funny. Um, again, down in the sunshine state of Florida, Florida man attempting to blank crashes into a blank. So again, fairly simple, but so many routes we could go with this one. We'll start with the first redacted. Florida man attempting to time travel, propose, or jump vehicle crashes into a blank. So again, he's either oh. trying to time travel, jump his vehicle, okay. or propose. These are all good options. I don't understand how you're proposing to someone and that results <laughs> in you crashing something. Maybe he did it while he was like, driving? Was, the, yeah. like, was his fiance running away from him while he was trying to propose? Like, he was, like, going to get on one knee, and she was like, no, please. And then he was like, yes. And she was what like, if no. Was, and then she started running, and he chased after her and crashed into something? What if he was, like, late to the dinner he was going to propose her at? Oh. Propose to her at. And he was, ah. like, sprinting or driving, whatever. Yeah. And then he crashed into something? I think that's a possible option. Okay. Okay. Okay, I, I think this is going to be a jump one, though. Fast and Furious, whatever they're on. Number 10. It's like out. Fast okay, yeah, X, 10 yeah. just came out. What if he's like, I'm going to pull a Fast and Furious. There's this one of those cars that has, like, kind of the... the down ramps on it from, you know what I'm talking about? It like, was a like Dodge a, Challenger. You mean like a like a tow truck, but its ramp is down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going for there. Okay. And he was like, oh, I'm going to do this. Are you going <laughs> to dare to do it? it. Like, just watch Fast and Furious. That's what I'm going to go with. So you're, Derek's going to lock in with jumping his vehicle. Uh, uh, what are the Nick, other options? Time travel, oh, jumping his vehicle, oh, or propose. I totally forgot about time travel. Time travel is so hilarious that I'm picking it. All right, so Nick's going to lock in with time travel I can't, here. I mean, dude, I'm, Florida people are probably trying to time travel every day of the week. Yeah, okay, or <laughs> just travel out of Florida. But uh, Florida man attempting to, again, either jump his vehicle, time travel, or propose crashes into a police station, a strip mall, or a graduation party. Oh, yes. Three good options and three very different outcomes as to where it could have been. But again, he crashes into a police station, a strip mall, or a graduation party. Everybody's fine except for his car, but ah oh, man, see the time travel. I pick time travel. None of time travel doesn't really, it doesn't really lend itself to any of those three options. <laughs> I don't know that the jumping one that I did does either, though. Jumped into a does. graduation party? Yeah, no, easily. Yeah. <laughs> that would be jumped over it and or jumped into. Yeah, something. I guess that's true, and it went into somebody's backyard. I'm gonna go with the strip mall. So, I'll go graduation party. So Nick's going to lock he in. He tried to jump the thing, and it took him off the road and went through somebody's backyard. And, and they were, like, having the graduation party in their backyard. Was that time of the year, you know. So, all right. So here it is. Full unredacted Florida man attempting to time travel wow. crashes into a strip mall. So oh, quite literally. Let's go. Look at that. Three Nick points. with the big three. It was his Dodge Challenger. I'm happy for you, Nick. Does that not oh, throw I'm you sure back you to are. Back to Damn. the Future, though? 
I mean, truly, he was in a strip no, mall area, say, right? Okay, I listen. I did not want to sound stupid, <laughs> but I was like, wait a second. In Back to the Future, wasn't it like in a strip mall? Yeah, I, or a mall? I think so, yeah. Okay, it was just a little okay. strip I didn't there, want to so. sound stupid. By the way, he never hit his brake, so he was fully committed. Totaled his Dodge Challenger. But uh, good job. Good job there, Nick. Three yeah, there full points. And he takes the lead heading into this one. Uh, let's get the ladies involved. Florida woman arrested for attacking blank who wouldn't stop blanking. So, again, the second one is an action I'm word. Going but to, off the cuff, I'm saying baby that would, wouldn't stop crying. Baby and no. No. So either it would, would have been a good oh, guess. Oh, that sucks, Derek. But a Florida woman arrested for attacking either her husband, the mascot, or a co-worker who wouldn't stop blanking. We'll get to the second one in a moment. But, again, co-worker, mascot, or husband. Okay. Husband is just uh, Yes, it I is. Mean, like you, that, Wives you get almost, mad at their husbands all the even, time. Yeah, you can't even really go wrong with that one. My wife gets the, frustrated with me. <laughs> Amen, the, brother. The, married life. The, the coworker one, the coworker one, like, I don't know, like, you would have to really, really, really piss off a coworker, I think, for them to attack you, right? Yeah, because it's like a professional setting yeah, where like, you're, you're going to hold gonna, your emotions. Yeah, you're not there. just going to, you know, lunge at somebody, your coworker. Risk the, the mascot, job. I think I it's think, mascot. I kind of think it's mascot, too. I think she was at a sporting event. Yep. The mascot was, mascot was, was like kept, doing some kind of lewd action yeah. or something. Mascot. All right, so Nick, it, both I'm, you, I'm Nick well. and Derek, all right, you guys are uh, hanging out today on your answers. Florida woman arrested for attacking either the mascot, her co-worker, or her husband who wouldn't stop cheating, who wouldn't stop farting, or who wouldn't stop dancing. So... Which of these? The dancing so. <laughs> one for the mascot. I definitely don't think it's cheat. I mean, if it is cheating, that would go with husband. Yeah. Or it could be coworker. I well, mean, maybe in theory, the mascot like, is mad. like. I don't. I'm, I'm trying to think of what the mascot could do to cheat. I don't think it's the cheating one. Like the during mascot. a game, could the mascot be doing? Maybe cheating? that was the guy you know, it's banging like a high the, school the trash game can. And ah. yeah, it's like a high school game. And interesting. This this mom like her kids playing, and the mascot's like you know giving signs doing or something. something to mess with them or whatever. Banging on the trash That's can not give impossible. signs. I, I feel like it's dancing. Like they're just dancing right in front yeah. of them or yeah. something like that. I, I feel like that's the answer. But is that too obvious? Could it be farting? Could the mascot be like standing next I, to I was going to pick farting, actually, I think. The mascot just keeps standing right next to her, just ripping it. <laughs> right. No, I'm, I'm going to go with the basic. I one. mean, I'll mascot go... costumes are known to smell bad. Mm, I'll right go again. dancing. So Derek's going to lock in with dancing. Just Nick, to be different, I'll go farting. So you're going to go with farting here. So Nick's going to lock in. With farting, here it is, full unredacted Florida woman arrested for attacking her husband who wouldn't stop farting. Wow. So quite literally, and uh, apparently it was in the bed. So, oh. and maybe you can take an attest to this as well. You know, you kind of get a, a rogue elbow sometimes, or you've run into some, no, well, quite dude, literally elbowed dude, and scratched him. If you need in to the fart, bed. just go in the bathroom. <laughs> he was asleep. So Wake up! <laughs> Go to the- <laughs> Nick coming away with one more point, though. So uh, let's get into the final one, probably one of my favorite ones of the week. Uh, we go out to the Golden State. California police call in blank to handle a blank situation. So this one could be a lot of fun. Let's so get the, to the, the first one. The police call in somebody? That's right. California Wait, police. Wait, somebody supposed to call the police? <laughs> they needed the, they're calling like the SWAT or something. The, the reinforcements, right? Yeah. California police call in church choir, the SEAL team, or the Little League team to handle a blank situation. <laughs> so lots of different avenues that we could I'm go to here. really confused. Honestly, I don't, I, even know, I don't even know what to think of that. I mean, the SEAL team is the one that makes sense if it's something, like, gigantic. But what if it's, like, uh, you know, what if it's, like, I don't even I can't. I don't even know. I'm thinking this is a fluff piece. 
It's a fluff piece. It's a nice story. But what if it's literally. like, yeah, what if, okay, what if it's like somebody is getting married in a park and they need some songs, so they call in the choir? Why would the police be involved in that? <laughs> <They're> just, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> they're just, maybe they got invited to the wedding. I don't know. You need witnesses for a no, wedding. I'm, I'm going with uh, Little League. I think this is a fluff piece. They're doing something nice in the community. All so right, they there's... call in the Little League for what? To I, handle I some situation, I, I guess. Yeah, we're going to find out. You don't know? We're going to find out. I'm, gonna go, I'm going with. I'm going with the choir. So Nick's going to lock in with the church choir. Uh, California police call in, again, either a Little League team, the church choir, or the SEAL team to handle a terrorist situation. A bizarre yep, situation or a heartwarming situation? Mmm, lots of different. I mean, if I'm going here. with the fluff piece, I feel like I should go with the heartwarming situation. That makes yeah, you most don't sense. Think <laughs> I'm definitely thinking they did not call the little league team in to deal with the terrorist. <laughs> what about situation. the church choir? I, uh, no, I, I'm going with I'm going with the heartwarming situation. Okay, what's the other option? Bizarre, bizarre. Terrorist or heartwarming situation. There's really not much to go off of. Man. No, I mean, and you'll love the actual uh, the depth to this story as well. I went I went deep on this one. I think just to be different from Derek, I'll go bizarre. Yeah, I I, I do think it is going to be bizarre, and I think it's going to be a do you know like a, a bizarre. You know what I'm oh, talking about? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a like a place. Like a, I think it's B A Z A A R. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like a, a setting. Yeah, yeah, a bizarre. Yeah. No, you're wrong. So but I, I'm sticking with my. <laughs> Well, you just picked bizarre. So you- <laughs> yeah, the actual bizarre, the right bizarre. Like the weird, the odd, the yeah, right, whichever. So, if you're so wrong here about is. that, you forfeit all your points today. Oh, jeez, no. which would give him up the 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 win. But here it is: California police <laughs> call in SEAL team to handle a bizarre situation. Wow. Now, Got a point. Now let's talk so, about this SEAL yeah, team yeah, here. Yeah, I, I need details. Is it like the? <clears> it was it- quite literally just a handful of police officers that named themselves to a SEAL team because there was a rogue SEAL that was walking around a shopping mall. Uh, so. The police oh, the call in the quote. So they called SEAL in team. their own. They called themselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, they called themselves and they were like, "Now we're the SEAL now we're the like SEAL that. team," that's and that's lame. what it was. That so hey, it was deep, and I and I threw you guys off. That's what it was. But Nick got point, away. Though. That's right. I got a point. Away I think the, point. the theme of that week. Was I got them a point all. in every single. That was your best performance. Yes, I got a point in every Maybe single round. That's right. That's right. I have I have one for you. I was gonna ask this one. A New York fertility doctor who was accused of using his own sperm to impregnate several patients died over the weekend when the hand built airplane he was in fell apart mid-flight and crashed but that felt too dark and it was too long i don't think that's so a I, real headline holy that's a, there's a lot there so here's the one we made going that up with. here's the one we're going with nick you know the answer to this so you can't answer all right kentucky man allegedly blank roommate in blank oh. after he blank it's a triple okay yeah. so we got a triple we got a triple kentucky so. man allegedly blank roommate in blank after he blank kentucky man allegedly shot punched locked roommate in blank after he blank Mm. Well, the context of saying in afterwards, shot blank, in blank, I'm going to have to probably go, I'm going to have to probably say locked, because locked roommate, you know, you're kind of in those areas, you've got the closets, room, something like that, maybe he just pissed off his roommate or something like that and locked him somewhere, but I'm going to go locked on the first one. Okay, so Kentucky man allegedly blank roommate, so you're going locked roommate in. And the next would be a walk-in freezer, buttocks, or face after he blank. <laughs> well, after my first kinda, yeah, question, kinda, answer nah, there, it doesn't look like, uh, okay, so should I hedge my right, bets though, here? So. And, and I might get the whole thing right. So let's see. Locked, 
Buttocks face a walk-in freezer. Locked in a buttocks, locked in face, locked in freezer. I mean, there's only one that makes sense here. I'm going to have to probably go freezer then. So we'll go with walk-in freezer. And the last one. Kentucky man allegedly blank roommate in blank after he ate last Hot Pocket, peed in the pool, threw out expired ice cream. Man. So I already know my first two are wrong. Um, they got to be. Know. It could be the I ice don't cream. Know. I don't know. It could be. It could listen, be the ice cream. He goes in the walk-in freezer, throws away the ice cream, and then, boom, door slams shut. He's locked in. Mm, I don't know what it is, but it's like, it, I feel like when you eat somebody's last thing, that's usually one of the more moments that's as a, a roommate. roommate thing, it's yeah. a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big roommate thing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably hedge my bets and go with a Hot Pocket. Correct answer. Kentucky man allegedly shot roommate <laughs> in buttocks after he ate last hot yeah, pocket. See, I knew <laughs> it's, a, it's against the cardinal sin of roommates. You do not steal that last hot pocket by any means. But yep. <laughs> all right, boys. Well, congrats, Nick, on a weekly win. But uh, again, season three, Derek, that a boy. I'll be back next week. Thanks for including me. Your fun. Florida man, Mad Libs, we out. He's Sam Speck with Nick Springer, Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. On it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.